Grit is the stubborn refusal to quit and persevere. Learn how you can cultivate grit within your life to help you become more successful on this episode of Live Happy Now. The ancient Greeks defined happiness as the joy you feel moving towards your potential. To think about positive psychology, it's a science, and it's actually younger than the Internet, believe it or not. The reality is that social connection is, in the research, the greatest predictor we have of long-term happiness. You have some factors in your control that can promote the health and resilience and growth of your absolutely most important asset, which is your brain. And so it all comes down to understanding ourselves. There's a way for all of us to succeed, but, but it might take different things. We're all looking for the same thing, and that's a way to bring a little bit more joy to our day. Join us as we look at the many different paths that lead us to that happy place. This is Live Happy Now. Hello and greetings and welcome to another edition of the Live Happy Now podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Houston. Thrilled that you are joining us wherever you are in the world, however you may be listening. We thank you for making us a part of your day. And we thank all of you that tuned in this past Sunday for our first episode of Live Happy Radio. And welcome those of you to the podcast who only found out about us because you happened upon us on the radio this past Sunday. We also want to thank those of you who tuned in to us because you're reading the magazine. We encourage you to subscribe. You can get the print edition sent to you, or you can do what I recommend and get the digital edition. It's available in the Apple Store and the Google Play Store, and you can put it on your phone, you can put it on your tablet, whatever you want to do, and take it with you wherever you go. The best part about the digital edition is that it has so many special features in there that you won't find on the print edition. So either way, get a copy in your hands, whether it be on paper or on your phone, Live Happy Magazine. And don't forget to tune in each Sunday for Live Happy Radio. It's a little bit different than the podcast, but it is available to you if you are in Dallas, Texas, over the air on 98.7 KLove, or you can listen worldwide on radio.com. Just search for KLUV Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock Central Time. And uh, you'll be able to hear some fun stuff that we are trying with Live Happy Radio. Our guest this week talking about grit is Caroline Miller, and she's recognized as one of the world's leading positive psychology experts really in everything, but especially in goal setting and accomplishment, grit, happiness and success and how to apply it to your life for maximum transformation and growth. And in her book, Getting Grit, she provides an evidence based approach to cultivating passion, perseverance and purpose. Well, Caroline, it's wonderful to have you on the program. We're very excited about this because this is a topic that we we really believe in around here. But let's define grit, first of all, because for people like me, Lord help me, I'm a guy. When I think grit, I think possession receiver in the NFL. What do you mean when you're talking about grit? Oh, that's funny. That's a first. Um, Okay. Um, So I will start with Angela Duckworth, whose research started this whole craze in um, grit. Uh, Let me just start with her definition. So generally she defines it as passion and persistence in pursuit of long-term goals. So I had to think about good grit and bad grit, which I go into the book, but more broadly, I have a definition for what I call authentic grit. And authentic grit to me is good grit for all the right reasons with all the right outcomes. So here is my official definition of authentic grit. And I call it the passionate pursuit of hard goals that awes and inspires others to become better people, flourish emotionally, take positive risks, and live their best lives. Hmm. And so for me, grit is only good 
when the use of it actually has an, has a, an impact on other people that makes them want to be better, you know, become better men and women, inspires them to do bigger, harder, bolder things. So that, for me, is the ultimate best use of grit. How does this, uh, you mentioned good grit and bad grit. That's something that's interesting to me. What is, yeah. what is the concept there? How can having grit be bad? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like there's a lot there. to, yeah. <laughs> sounds boy, like we're digging deep. To sell you. <laughs> okay. Well, so this is what a lot of people are, are very interested in and excited about. And my terms started to go viral over a year ago when I began to use them because people really get it. So for me, good grit, the umbrella is authentic grit. But bad grit is when you do a couple of different things. Let me start with stupid grit. Um, which we call stubborn grit in the book. But for me, stupid grit is when you're pursuing long-term hard goals, but you're doing it um, against, you know, uh, against advice. The situation has changed, and people, you and others, are likely to be hurt in some way by the pursuit of that goal. Hmm. So you see that in the workplace. You see people being stupid about not wanting to give up their pursuit of a goal, thinking they have the only answer. You, you see this in mountaineering. It's called summit fever. In scuba diving, it's the, it's the rapture of the deep. But basically, it's people who lack the humility to take the advice or even seek the advice of people around them. So stupid grit is when you're hitting the wall for all kinds of reasons, but the pursuit of that goal is no longer wise. And so, so that's, that's, to me, just a really tough outcome. And I go into um, different you know, situations in which we've seen this in athletics, in business, et cetera, in the workplace. So that's one kind of bad grit. The next one is called faux grit or false grit. And so hmm. I like the word faux because it's pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> and so, Sounds a little, you know, so, yeah. You know, these are people who want you to think they are gritty. They want you to think they've done something hard. So take, for example, something I dug up about Medal of Honor faux grit people who go to flea markets and they buy the Medal of Honor and they wear it. They oh. wear it, you know, on jackets and they wave in parades. But, you know, <clears throat> it's the highest honor in our country for military service, and it's for intrepidity and gallantry, yeah. um, it, you know, under fire. And the idea that people would so covet this, um, this appearance of being tough and gritty that they would fake how they got there is really repulsive to me, and it tends to yeah. repel people. But faux grit does repel people because it's people who skip loops in triathlons. It's people and then insist that they did the whole thing. It's people who are making up their research in academia do you know, so that they don't have to work quite as hard um, to get their Ph.D. So, again, I have a big section on all the different places we're seeing faux grit, and performance-enhancing drugs could be one of the more obvious ways we see it. People oh, who, yeah. who want us to think, you know, they're superhuman, like Lance Armstrong, and yet, you know, they faked it. And so the last kind of bad grit um, I call selfie grit. And so selfie grit is a little bit different in the sense that it's people who, who may have done hard things. They may have actually accomplished those things, but they repel others because they have to talk about it all the time. Uh. They have to post selfies. They have to get other people admiring them. And it's so fascinating to me that this quality of authentic grit, good grit for the right reasons that inspires and awes other people, it doesn't have that um, arrogant component. It, it's marked by humility. So selfie grit is the exact opposite of the kind of behavior that I think we're seeking to cultivate in ourselves and others. Is that like uh, you're talking about the guy who's at the gym and he's got to post pictures of himself getting swole? That selfie grit guy right there? 
I would say that's a great example. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with uh, Caroline Miller. Her new book is Getting Grit. You can get a copy, gettinggrit.com. What's the biggest surprise folks are going to find in this book that they didn't know? Is it the bad, good, and bad grit split, or what, what else can they find in there that might shock them? Yeah, I, I don't know that they'll be shocked, but I think people will be kind of delightfully surprised that grit has many nuances. So um, one of the main messages that I sought to um, convey in the book is that grit is something we can all cultivate because I really thought long and hard about this quality because I, I, I wrote about it in Creating Your Best Life, which was my fifth book, which came out in t 2009. So that book was the first to connect the science of happiness with the science of goal setting and success. And I had a chapter in there on grit because there's great research that the happiest people do wake up every day to clear-cut hard goals. Mm -hmm. And when you have hard goals, this quality of grit is really a must. So I dug in even deeper and then thought about another piece of my background that I really sought to tie together, and that was I, I have 35 years of recovery from bulimia. So I wrote the first book by anybody who overcame bulimia and lived to tell about it. And that book, My Name is Caroline, came out in 1988. And so what I wanted to do was unpack how did I go from just being talented and successful as a kid but lacking grit to actually developing grit in order to get better and stay better at a time when nobody got better and it was a hopeless disorder. So in this book, what I do is I talk people through how can you also cultivate this good quality of grit in the service of goals that you are passionate about. Because I didn't want to write a book about a character strength or trait that only very special people have. They're born with it or they're in the right family or whatever yeah. it is. People can cultivate grit, and that, to me, is the biggest takeaway from this book. I think what what keeps going through my mind when you talk about having grit and going through hard goals is John F. Kennedy's speech about going to the moon. We choose yes. to do these things not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Uh, exactly. Maybe I'm in, maybe being in Texas, I'm biased toward that story, but I, I think that's something that maybe as Americans we've lost since the 1960s as a group, or or am I just am I just feeling nostalgic about a a time that I really respect? You know, in the in the early part of the book, I, I took great pains to unpack and describe how did we get here? Because I think a lot of people of my generation, the boomers, um, who've raised what's called the millennials and even some Gen Zs, are kind of perplexed by what we see going on around us, starting with playgrounds where nobody gets hurt anymore and there's wood chips everywhere. Or you go to school, it's math made easy, phonics made easy, it's grade inflation, it's safe spaces, it's microaggression, it's even this new profession of cuddlers and people who hold you for a dollar a minute if you can't self-soothe. So I, we have this kind of culture, and I'm not criticizing millennials per se. I want to be really careful about that. I'm criticizing our culture in which we sought to make everybody happy by giving them easy praise, which was like, you know, devalued currency. Everyone has it, so it means nothing. Mm -hmm. And so consequently, I think this is a generation that's now entered the workplace. The millennials are the, you know, overwhelmingly the majority of people in the workplace. And for many of them, they've never had to do hard things. Not all, of course, but the proportion who are entering the workplace or entering adulthood without having to work very hard for A's. Um, who have had been protected from reading anything their parents deemed, you know, too, um, you know, scary to read. I mean, there's schools that have banned Harry Potter for wizardry um, or who've been protected on soccer fields. You know, they have, you know, this mercy rule, for heaven's sakes, where 
you know, if another team scores too many goals, they stop keeping score because it might hurt people's feelings. And, of course, the kids are keeping score. So, consequently, a lot of them have never learned how to win and lose. They've never had to do hard. They don't even know what hard is when they see it. So how do we expect them to actually go out and be resilient in the face of all the crazy things that are going on in the world? This is the first generation that is predicted not to have the same standard of living as their parents. And this is 24-7 CNN. It's breaking news all the time. It's markets, global markets going up and down. It's terrifying. And this is the generation we have launched as a result of the self-esteem movement and everything I'm talking about. And my God, we've got to get gritty. And I think this is the greatest challenge facing our country, bar none, is getting back to our Protestant work ethic and learning how to select hard goals and get to the finish line of those goals. We're talking with uh, Caroline Miller, and I love that. I love that concept of of getting back to the grit that you're talking about there. And and again, I'm going to movie quotes here because I speak most of my dialogue in everyday life is movie quotes. Uh, but uh, Tom Hanks' character in uh, A League of Their Own, it's the hard that makes it great. That's mm. and he's talking about baseball there. But that's that's the truth about anything. Anything worth having is worth working for. It's worth getting through those obstacles to get. Do you, do you find that to be true? Oh, I know it's true. I mean, the research, the research has, has proven this again and again and again, that even consumers who were given um, cake mix, who only had to put water into it, were less satisfied with that cake than they were with one where they got to put in oil and eggs because mm-hmm. they didn't feel like they worked very hard. Consumers who ha- don't have to work hard for purchases don't enjoy those purchases. But it goes to show you that things that we don't work for and long for are not the things that we end up valuing. And so I think the research again and again and again shows that it's the hard things, it's the, it's the things outside of our comfort zone that don't only produce the best results, they produce the most satisfying outcomes because we end up having what we call authentic self-esteem. And, and there's very yeah. interesting research showing, um, one more thing I just want to throw in here, very interesting research showing at the end of the day, all of us scan our days for what we did that we're proud of. All of us, whether we know it or not, and the things that we end up being proud of, that we code as, um, you know, things that we build our self-confidence and self-esteem on are always the things that we did that were outside of our comfort zone that we may not have enjoyed doing at that time. So this easy praise culture, easy A's, text an emoji to Domino's and they'll show up with a pizza, (laughs) you know, you don't even have to get out of your chair or breathe. Yeah. to get a pizza sent to you. And so it's just really fascinating to me that we have gotten to the point where people don't work very hard, but they expect to be told they're awesome. You know, it's interesting you bring up looking back at your day and the things that you end up valuing. You know, I look back at some of the teachers that I had, and if I had to be honest about my favorite teachers in terms of who affected my life the most in in the positive way, it's the teachers that I absolutely hated when I had them because yeah. they were yeah. pushing me to do things that I didn't think I could do. And I started noticing it, I guess, when I got to college. And it's like, I don't think I'm all that great of a writer. And yet my papers are blowing my classmates away because mm. our teachers harped on these things. 
We should all be so lucky to have a coach or a teacher or a mentor who is hard on us in the right ways. I'm not talking about abusive criticism, but people who give us really solid feedback that we pay attention to. And I think in the interest of not hurting people's feelings, I think we've gone so far in the other direction that, you know, people can't actually handle feedback or take criticism. So I, I do a lot of speeches in companies with HR managers, and they find that they can't give performance reviews because people have never really heard constructive, critical feedback. Um, And I have story after story in the book of sports coaches who are leaving sports. There's a coach at SMU, you know, as a matter of fact, in my book, who basically is getting out because she can't she can't criticize her players. They end up falling apart. You know, they say that she, you know, all kinds of things. So it, it, that's in the book. But I do think that we should all be so lucky as to have somebody we trust and whom we seek out the counsel of who gives us the kind of constructive feedback that allows us to thrive and become better people. Because without it, we're like diamonds that never go in a, a rock tumbler and get smooth. We're just kind of mm. raw chunks of rock. I like that visual. Uh, we're talking with with Caroline Miller about grit. The new book is Getting Grit. Go to gettinggrit.com. You can get a copy of the book. You can also find it uh, on Amazon. And kind of shifting gears here uh, more into our space of, of happiness, what is it about gritty people or what is it about grit that makes people happy when they show that characteristic? Ah, okay. And so this goes back to hard goals. And in Creating Your Best Life, I was fortunate to interview Gary Latham, um, the co-founder of Goal Setting Theory, which is Locke and Latham's open theory, the number one most proven management theory um, ever tested. So I have to tell you, goal setting theory is a slam dunk finding. And one of the things that they find is that the best results do come from challenging and specific goals outside of your comfort zone. And when I talked to Gary Latham about it, he said that the people who aren't doing hard things are overwhelmingly the ones who are languishing and who at the end of their lives have this coulda, woulda, shoulda attitude, wish I'd done that, filled with regrets. So the happiest people are actually taking risks so that they have fewer regrets, they bring more novelty, more aliveness, more pursuits of things that actually fill their, their lives up with light and with people. Um, and those are the ones at the, end of the, at, the, at the end of the day and at the end of their lives who are not the ones in hospice care with the number one regret, which is, I, I feel like I lived somebody else's life, not mm. the one I was meant to live. So happiness is inextricably entwined with hard goals and grit. And if, you can, if, you, if people just could spend a little bit of time thinking about what are the things I'm going to regret not pursuing if I don't get started now? Can I imagine myself at the end of my life without having done this, this, or this? What do I have to lose? I find gritty people ask themselves why not instead of why. Mm-hmm. You know, they say, why not? What do I have to lose? And so it's a different mindset, and it's a different approach to being courageous and going out on a limb sometimes. Is it a fear of failure? I mean, because I guess in my, in, in my experiences, it's always nothing ventured, nothing gained. Mm-hmm. Um, but is it a fear of failure that keeps people from developing grit? Like they're so scared of, of being told no or not achieving those goals that they don't even set out on that path? I don't think it's that simple. In fact, I did ask Gary Latham about that, and he said, Caroline, it's not fear of failure. It's fear of everything. 
mean, mm-hmm. people end up being afraid of change, afraid of success, afraid of failure, afraid, afraid of people noticing them, afraid of people not noticing them, afraid, you know, fear of upsetting the apple cart, fear of standing out. I have some information in the book on the law of junta um, across Scandinavian countries where it's actually cultural that people not stand out, don't do exceptional things that will cause other people, you know, to look at you. So sometimes it's cultural that keeps you down. The tall poppy syndrome is another one. And so I think there's a lot of reasons why people um, are afraid of change. And yet change is where we actually discover our best selves because if we're not changing, we're standing still. So it's not just fear of failure. It tends to be fear of pretty much anything and everything. Very interesting. One thing I do want to make sure that we, we touch on, because I think a lot of people are dealing with this in various various ways, and it may not even be substances uh, anymore. Addictions can come in, in many forms. But how can the concept of grit be used in addiction treatment? <laughs> okay, so I addressed this one in my book. Thanks for asking that. So yes. I addressed this in... Um, in my book, Positively Caroline, because that book is about how did I get to 35 years of recovery? Because I looked around as I hit 25 and 30 years of, of recovery from my eating disorder, and I said, where are all the survivors who are giving people hope? That's not just about getting better, you stay better. And so as I was going through the MAP program in the first year at the University of Pennsylvania, I found myself doing an interesting rewind and unpacking why am I a survivor of this eating disorder where a lot of people actually didn't make it. What I realized is that grit is a piece of what I had to develop in order to save my own life and that anybody who is overcoming an addiction, alcoholism, screen addiction, gambling, drug addiction, what you have to do, or you have to have a passion. What's your passion? I want to live. I want to be substance-free. How are you going to do it? One day at a time, with patience, with humility, by giving back to others. I was told over and over that I couldn't keep what I didn't give away. And all of those are the ingredients that I found bake the grit cake when you are trying to become gritty. All of these character strengths that we can all work on, goal setting, um, risk taking, uh, passion, persistence, humility, all of them, we can all work on them and every single one of them was a piece of what I had to develop in order to overcome my eating disorder. And when you throw in positive psychology and strengths work, you know, the VS strengths and best possible future self and you look at journaling and meditation, I, I want all of that to go into the eating disorder field and be used to heal people in treatment centers. And we're just not taking advantage of all of this science-based research. And to me, it's the next frontier for both positive psychology and grit research. And a very important one uh, at that that can, that can maybe change the course of, of individuals' future, but possibly even society if we uh, spend more time uh, dealing with folks who, who do have those issues. Well, I got to say, and this is not just to, to blow smoke up a guest uh, that we really appreciate having on, but uh, your story and the books that you've written are, are things that, that we love to discuss on this program and in and around this office and magazine. Uh, Positively Caroline, My Name is Caroline, Creating Your Best Life and Now Getting Grit, uh, which again is available at gettinggrit.com. What's, what's next? What are, you, what are you moving on to now? <laughs> I'm writing a book about gritty women next. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And here's why, and this is the mystery. I walked away from my my grit research um, for this last book, Getting Grit. I walked away with this fascinating finding, and that was every single person, male or female, 
whom I interviewed about how they became gritty. How did they learn to be a finisher? How did they learn to change the channel in their brain so that they could endure physical or emotional hardship and not be a quitter? You know, where did they get that? And I said, you know, so where did you learn it and who are your role models? Without exception, every single person I interviewed, male or female, said a woman had been their role model. And I'm still unpacking that because I'm asking all of these brilliant people I know, what do you think? And any of your listeners who who have ideas about why would women be that primary role model? What is it women do and exhibit? What are the stories um, that are told about women that tend to make other people sit up and notice, sit up, take notice, and do bigger, you know, bolder things? I have some theories, but I'd love to hear other people's, too, and I'm, I'm very reachable on my website, uh, carolinemiller.com. But that's my next book, and I really feel compelled. Whatever platform I've been given, whatever um, I can do to make the world a better place, I feel strongly that my next mission is to help women because I think we really live at a time that is terrifying because middle-aged women are dying in untold numbers of what we call the diseases of despair, you know, eating disorders, alcoholism, depression, suicide attempts, prescription drug abuse. Middle-aged women are suffering more than any other group, and yet they are the role models who came up for all of my, my, my interview subjects. So what's the difference and what can we do to pass along to the ones who are really struggling with diseases of despair to actually find happiness and flourishing. So I'm going there next, and I really hope I can make the world a better place with my gritty women. Well, I, for one, believe that you can, and I believe that you will. And anytime that you would like to come on our podcast uh, to do so, you are more than welcome to come on and share your findings with us. We would love to hear about it. Uh, I, I have my theories on it as well. I believe they will be confirmed, but uh, I'm interested uh-huh. as, just as much as you are uh, to find out why, uh, because my story would be about a woman as well. So I am um, dying to hear it. Please share it with me offline. And absolutely. let me just make sure I want to say thank you. Thank you to everyone at Live Happy who's been so supportive of my work from the very get-go. And you were kind enough to name what, Creating Your Best Life one of the ten best books to help you achieve your goals and then Getting Grit, one of the ten books that will change your life in 2017. And I cannot tell you how touched I am by both of those, and I just want to publicly say thank you so much. Well, we are uh, just we're excited to be able to work with you on things like this and uh, promote your work and uh, get the, get those thoughts uh, into people's brains. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us, and uh, we'll look forward to, to hearing more from you very, very soon. All right. Much appreciated. Have a great one. If you would like to learn more about getting grit, you can visit livehappynow.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the Live Happy Now podcast. Don't forget to tune in to Live Happy Radio every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock Central Time. You can tune in worldwide at radio.com and search for KLUV and click on 98.7 KLUV. Please, please tune in. Please, please, while you're on the Internet, let us know what you thought of this episode. You can go and find us on Twitter at LiveHappy, Facebook.com slash LiveHappy, or send us an email, podcast at LiveHappy.com. For everybody here at Live Happy Magazine and Live Happy Now, I'm J.R. Houston saying so long, and thank you for helping us to live happy.